Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your horror pop culture needs, from interviews, reviews, top ten lists, and everything in between. They also have a great podcast library, which I highly suggest checking out after you're done with this episode here. And that includes my brand new podcast. I guess it's not brand new anymore, but it's still new-ish. And it's called Cheer and Loathing, and it features Stephanie, the editor-in-chief of Morbidly Beautiful as well. We bicker about movies, and it's a good time. It's fun. She loves everything. I hate everything. It's a great dynamic. You really should check it out. Also, today is a special day for me personally. Whether you care or not, I'm going to tell you. It is my five-year wedding anniversary. Yes, five years. And I think that's kind of an accomplishment, given the state of the world and the divorce rates. And yeah, it's one of those things. But it's a great accomplishment for my wife and I. And I couldn't love her more. She's my best friend. And I'm just happy that I get to spend every day with her. But on to the podcast this week. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at some history of demon stuff, and we're going to continue that this week. After a little break with the Hold of Folk last week, we're going to look at the demons specifically featured in the Ars Goetia. So sit back and enjoy. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. While this is a list of many of the demons that feature in the Goetia, I'm going to be taking a more practical approach to taking on these demons. There are a lot, there's different ranks, and we're going to go over all of them. So this might be a couple of parts. So you have something to look forward to if I don't finish it all today, which I don't think I will because it's quite long. It's not as long as you'd think it would be, but it's still quite long. And we're going to look at these demons and their traits and their ranks and all that sort of fun stuff. Some of them I will have mentioned before on various episodes, but that's okay. They're little refreshers. So we may as well just start with the kings in the Ars Goetia. According to the Grand Grimoire, Baal is the head of the Infernal Powers. He is also the first demon listed in Weiris's Pseudodemonicaria Demonum. According to Weiris, Baal is the first king of hell, with estates in the east. He has three heads, a toad, a man, and a cat. He also speaks in Arrakis, but a well-formed voice, and commands 66 legions. Baal teaches the art of invisibility, and may be the equivalent of Beelzebub, one of the seven princes of hell. Next up on the list we have Paimon. I did a whole episode on this guy a little while ago, like a year, or two, or three, I don't remember when, it was a long time ago, but I did cover him. And he is one of the kings of hell as well. He's more obedient to Lucifer than the other kings are and has 200 legions of demons under his rule. He has a great voice and roars as soon as he comes, speaking in this manner for a while until the conjurer compels him, and then he answers clearly the questions he is asked. When a conjurer invokes this demon, he must look towards the northwest, the direction of Paimon's house. And when Paimon appears, he must be allowed to ask the conjurer what he wishes to be answered in order to obtain the same information from him. There are some points here as well. Paimon teaches all arts, philosophies, and sciences, and secret things. He can reveal all mysteries of the earth, wind, and water, what the mind is, and where it is, and everything the conjurer wants to know. He gives good familiars, dignities and confirms them, and binds men to the conjurer's will. 
if Paimon is cited alone and an offering or sacrifice must be done, and he will accept it. Then two kings called Bibal and Abulam will go to him together with other spirits, often 25 legions. But these other spirits do not always come unless the conjurer calls upon them. Paimon is depicted as a man with an effeminate face wearing a precious crown and riding a dromedary. Before him often goes a host of demons with the shape of men, playing trumpets, cymbals, and other sorts of musical instruments. Next up on the list we have Beleth. It has a few different spellings, but it doesn't really matter all that much. And he is a mighty and terrible king of hell who has 85 legions of demons under his command. He rides a warhorse, and all kinds of music is heard before him, according to most authors on demonology and the most known grimoires. According to the Pseudo-Demonicaria, Noah's son Ham was the first in invoking him after the flood and wrote a book on mathematics with his help. When appearing, he looks very fierce to frighten the conjurer or to see if he's courageous. The conjurer must be brave and hold a hazel wand in his hand and he must draw a triangle by striking towards the south, east, and upwards and command Beleth into it by means of some conjurations. If he does not obey, the conjurer must rehearse all the threats the conjurations said. Then Beleth will obey and do all that he is commanded, but the conjurer must be respectful and pay homage unto Beleth due to his rank and hold silver in the shape of a ring in the middle finger on his left hand against his face, as it is the use of hellish kings and princes before Amaimon. Beleth gives all the love of men and women he commanded until the conjurer is satisfied. Just to go a little off topic here, I do find it strange that some of these demons require very specific rituals in order to summon them. And how does one figure these rituals out? That is kind of the question I've always had. How do you know to put a silver ring on your middle finger of your left hand and hold it against your face? Trial and error? I just don't know. Maybe you have an answer. Maybe you're a demonologist out there. I don't know, but that's just kind of my take on it. We'll just carry on. Next up, we have Person, and he is also a great king of hell, being served and obeyed by 22 legions of demons. He knows of hidden things, can find treasures, and tell past, present, and future. Taking a human or aerial body, he answers truly of all secret and divine things of earth and the creation of the world. He also brings good familiars. Person is depicted as a man with the face of a lion, carrying a ferocious viper in his hands and riding a bear. Before him, there can be heard many trumpets sounding. Now, I know it's pretty common that a lot of metal bands, death metal bands particularly, have demonic imagery. And it's very easy to see why. A man with the face of a lion carrying a ferocious viper and riding a bear. I can kind of see that painted on the side of a panel van, to be completely honest. Which is no knock on it, it's really cool. But it's also super edgelordy. But I digress. Next up we have Asmodeus. And he appears as the king Asmodee and the Ars Goetia where he is said to have a seal in gold and is listed as number 32 according to respective ranks. He is, quote, strong, powerful, and appears with three heads. The first is like a bull, the second like a man, and the third like a ram. He also has the tail of a serpent, and from his mouth, flames of fire. 
Also, he sits upon an infernal dragon, holds a lance with a banner, and amongst the legions of Amaimon, Asmode governs 72 legions of infernal spirits. Number 6 on our list is Vine, and he is an earl and also a king of hell, commanding 36 legions of demons. He can tell present, past, and future, discover witches and hidden things, create storms and make water rough by means of them, and also brings down walls and build towers. This demon is portrayed as a lion holding a snake in his hand and riding on a black horse. The etymology of his name seems to be of the Latin word vinea. Vine, that is also the name given to an ancient war machine made of wood and covered with leather and branches, used to overthrow walls. Number 7 is Balaam, and he's a great and powerful king of hell who commands over 40 legions of demons. He gives perfect answers on things past, present, and to come, and can also make men invisible and witty. Balaam is depicted as being three-headed. One head is of a bull, the second of a man, and the third of a ram. He has flaming eyes and the tail of a serpent. He carries a hawk on his fist and rides a strong bear. His name seems to have been taken from Balaam in the biblical sense, or the biblical magician. Number 8 is Zagan, and is also a great king and president of hell, commanding over 33 legions of demons. He makes men witty, and can also turn wine into the water, and water into the metal. Examples, gold into gold coins, copper into copper coins, etc. Liquid form to solid form. Basic grade 9 science here. At least that's where I remember it from anyway. Zagan is depicted as a griffin-winged bull that turns into a man after a little while. One thing I want to point out here is a lot of these demons have the power to make men witty. That is a demon I could have used way back in the day. Man, those high school years were rough. I mean, I was the classic kid that would have somebody say something to me, and then I had nothing to say at that moment, and then laying in bed, I'd be like, ah, fuck, that was the perfect response. It was your mom. That's pretty much all I ever came up with, actually, so I could still probably use a wit demon. Anyway, last up in number nine on the kings is Belial, and he's listed as the 68th spirit of the Lesser Keys of Solomon. He is also a king of hell with 80 legions of demons and 50 legions of spirits under his command. He was created as the first after Lucifer. He has the power to distribute senatorship and gives excellent familiars. He must be presented with offerings, sacrifices, and gifts, or else he will not give true answers to demands. Another common aspect we see with a lot of these demons is that they present and give familiars. Now, I've covered familiars before when I've covered witches, but I just want to make sure everybody's on the same page here. A familiar is essentially a spirit or helper to witches and, well, cunning folk, people who practice magic, especially back in the medieval days and the modern early periods of today. Now, according to records of the time, those alleging to have had contact with familiar spirits reported that they could manifest as numerous forms, but usually as an animal. Sometimes human or humanoid figures were described as well. However, they were described as clearly defined three-dimensional forms, vivid with color and animated with movement and sound. Now, these are familiar spirits, not spirits, who are generally ghosts that have a smoky, undefined form, or a wisp, or a light orb, whatever. 
anything like that. Those are familiars, and these demons presented witches and conjurers with their familiars. They're incredibly handy, and they're great to have around, and I'll probably end up doing an episode completely dedicated to familiars at some point in the near future. Perhaps when I'm done with this Ars Goetia stuff that I'm going on right now. But speaking of that, we just finished up the kings, all of them. So what's next? We have the dukes, but the dukes are going to have to wait until next week because I don't want this episode to run an hour and a half long and there are a lot of dukes of hell. So once again, my name is Casey, and if you liked what you heard today, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever your app is called on your phone, and any five-star reviews will be read out on the show. It always makes me feel good to see some reviews, so yeah, drop one if you want. Besides that, you can follow me on social media, even though I'm not active at all. I don't know why. I just don't know what to put. But you can do so if you want. And you can follow along on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, as in production. You can also follow along on Instagram at OminousOriginsPod. There's some cool pictures up there. So you got that, if nothing else. And I'll add some more as I take some. But there hasn't been really an opportunity to take any horror-based pictures lately due to the wonderful coronavirus. Nobody wants to seem to get together and do stuff. Which makes sense, so have at it. You can look at the archives. Lastly, we have a Facebook page, and that is Horror Shots. So check it out. There are some discussions that happen very, very infrequently, but you can start one. Start the trend. Get people talking. But until next week, have a good one.